Hi there, my name is Rob Danish and I'm a professor of communication at the University of Waterloo in Canada. I've been teaching communication courses for almost 20 years now, and this podcast called Now We're Talking is about how to improve communication skills and the kinds of communication practices to help you become more effective in interpersonal relationships, in team settings, in leadership settings, or as public speakers. In my 20 years of teaching, I've taught a range of courses from small group communication to interpersonal communication to public speaking. All those courses start with uh, the same sort of information or the same position that I advocate to my students. They start by trying to get the students to understand what communication is and that it's not the transmission of information. So this first episode is a kind of condensed version of the initial lesson in all of my classes. And it's the initial lesson that's going to underpin all of the practices we end up talking about in this podcast. So it's a pretty important episode, and um, it rests on a very important distinction. It also might seem like the most intellectually uh, ambitious or abstract episode. I promise in all the future episodes, we're going to be talking about very specific communication practices, whether those are interpersonal practices or team practices or public speaking practices or writing practices. But for today, what we have to talk about is what communication is. And uh, what we think communication is will influence how we're able to get better at it. So let me start, start with a short anecdote. The other day, I was walking across my campus, and there's this courtyard in between the library and the main academic building. And the courtyard has some benches in it, and on one of the benches, two women were sitting. And a guy on a bicycle had ridden up to the women, and he was sort of leaning off of his bicycle into the two women while talking to them. Well, one of the women that was sitting at that table was leaning far away from him. And I didn't hear anything that they were saying, but I knew what was being communicated between them. And I knew the guy was not generating any interest from the woman. I knew the woman didn't really like or didn't want to listen to what the guy was saying, all because of the way she was leaning in and he was leaning out. Uh, He was leaning in and she was leaning out. That little dynamic is a nice metaphor for a problem of communication. The problem of communication isn't really whether or not the guy got the two women that were sitting there to understand the information he was trying to relay to them. The problem of communication is in the effect that that guy was producing on those two women. He was producing the effect of wanting them to be disengaged or get away from him. So the question I always pose to my students is, how do you get people to lean in to you instead of lean away from you? And that's supposed to be a nice metaphor, but it's a nice metaphor that illustrates the main distinction that I wanna draw in this first episode or the main problem of communication. So in my very first, and every one of my very first classes, I asked the students, so you're here for a communication course, can you tell me what communication is? And inevitably, they give me the wrong answer. They all give me the wrong answer. Every semester, they come in, they gave me the same wrong answer. And that wrong answer, you can even find it on Wikipedia. If you type in communication in the Wikipedia page, you'll come up with a definition that is also wrong. And it's a version of the wrong answer that my students give. And uh, here, I'll, I'll just read the Wikipedia definition, and then I'll take some few minutes to explain what's wrong with it and how we can rep- replace it with a better definition. The bad definition of communication 
is that it's an activity of conveying information through the exchange of thoughts, messages, or information. Later on, the Wikipedia entry says it's the meaningful exchange of information between two or more living creatures. And a little later on, it says it's an act by which one person gives to or receives from another person information. I don't have the time to cover all that's wrong with this conception of communication. I mean, notice that it's a circular definition for starters. It's an act of conveying information through the exchange of information. I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what it could possibly mean. Um, I can't imagine a less meaningful definition, in fact. So, but I'll start with the more troublesome, the most troublesome error here. The verbs used to describe the act of communication here in the Wikipedia definition, and uh, my students often give me, are convey, exchange, give, and receive. Communication scholars call this the transmission model of communication. It assumes that there's some thing, some information, some thoughts, some ideas, or some other mysterious stuff that then gets packaged up and sent to a recipient. If the recipient gets or receives the package, then communication has occurred. The major problem here is the presupposition that something exists prior to language and communication, something that somehow resides in your brain. I don't know where else it would reside. It must reside there, I imagine. But the thing in your brain then gets packaged up in language and sent. Now, it is a problem for me and for many people to assume that something exists prior to language or communication. But that's not the problem I want to talk about today. Aside from that kind of philosophical mistake, the big problem is that this definition of communication makes the practice of communication a matter of packaging up information correctly or sending it over the right channel. Both of those are totally unhelpful for anyone trying to improve their communication skills. So let me be as clear as I can about the transmission model of communication. It claims that information is sent in some form, sometimes in language, from a sender to a receiver over a distance and through a channel. In the English language, most of the ways in which we talk about communication illustrate just how committed we are to the transmission model. We can, quote, get our ideas across. Someone's feelings can come through when they speak. I can give you an idea. We can put something into words. A sentence can be full of emotion. You can find good ideas in an essay. A remark might be impenetrable. All of these ways of describing the act of communication recommend to the speaker or writer a set of practices or a way of working with words or symbols. These practices focusing, focus on getting the message to a receiver with as little distortion as possible. In other words, these practices seek to make sure that the information in my brain gets into your brain in the same form and with the same meaning that it has in my brain. These practices focus the speaker, writer, or communicator on the question, did you get it? From this perspective, our central concern is whether or not another person gets the special package inside my head. In every one of my classes and in this podcast, the first thing I want to tell my audience is to stop asking the did you get, get it question. If you are focusing on this question, you will never improve your communication skills. So I said earlier that this model of communication presupposes the existence of some it that's somehow in my mind before communication. This presupposition is wrong, but there are other two bigger problems with this model. Transmission is an excellent description of the technical problem of communications with an S. So another issue for my students is that I ask them, what, what are they majoring in? And sometimes they tell me communications with an S, and they aren't. Uh, they're majoring in communication without an S. 
the 20th century produced a revolution in communications technologies. And those technologies allow us to send information from one point to another. Part of the miracle of the World Wide Web is the ability of one computer or one phone to package up information and send it to another computer in an instant without any noise, without any interference or without any degradation of the message. This is why you're able to listen to this podcast right now. The incredible overwhelming success of engineers at solving technical problems of communications and building massive and effective communication systems has led us to believe that we can solve human problems of communication just like we solve technical problems of communications by sending more accurate signals over safer channels. In other words, we start to think that human problems of meaning can be solved by the technical means of transmission. And this is what Wikipedia teaches us. But human communication doesn't resemble the technical process of communications. So there's nothing similar to a human interaction. There's nothing similar about a human interaction and the exchange of information between two electronic devices. I often get upset when I tell people that I'm a professor of communication and they think I work on fiber optic cables or cell phone towers. I don't know anything about the technical problem of communications, except that it has nothing to do with the human problem of communication, despite how things might appear on the surface and despite what Wikipedia might tell us. One other problem with the transmission model, it's deeply selfish, and it misses the two most important features of the process of making meaning. The transmission model tells us that what really matters is the idea or the information inside us, and that the safe arrival of that data requires the right packaging and channel. What's missing in this picture is the other person. Uh, if anything, the other person is just a passive, passive receiver of our special package. Uh, so this model actually feeds our narcissistic tendency to think that we are special and important, and that we have special and important things inside us that need to be expressed. It actually gives us an excuse to ignore, or at the least not think much about, the other person that we're communicating with and the context that we inhabit. But teachers of the ancient art of rhetoric, of which I am one, have been telling students for over 2,000 years that audience and context are the two most important considerations for effective communication. If we believe in the transmission of model of communication, we're going to ignore or miss this important insight. So, because communication is the most other-centered, least selfish thing that we do when we do it well. And any model of communication that fails to take into account, take that into account, won't help us get any better. Nothing frustrates me more when someone is standing in front of me and telling me that I don't get it. What they mean is that I don't quite understand this special thing inside of them that's really important. But what they don't get is that effective communication is less a matter of expressing that special thing and more a matter of dealing with another person in a given context. We have the transmission model of communication to blame for mistakes like that. So in each of my classes and in this podcast, we're starting by trying to debunk, dismiss, or vanquish the transmission model of communication. So I tell my students, and I will tell listeners to this podcast over and over again, stop asking, did you get it? But if not the transmission model, then what? As I said earlier, so as, as I'll mention frequently in this podcast, I'm not a philosopher, and I don't like much like definitions, so I'm not going to offer a clear definition in the style of what we get from the transmission model. Instead, I tell my students to always, no matter the occasion, circumstance, or form, ask themselves, what effect have I had? Communication is a practice, and as a practice, it produces effects in the world. Most often, it produces effects on other people.
In the Ecomium of Helen by Gorgias, an ancient teacher of rhetoric, he compares the effects of speech with the effects of drugs on the body. Essentially, he claims that words could have the same effect as drugs on the body. For Gorgias, speech could stop fear, it could relieve pain, it could create joy. And I think Gorgias was right. Not only was he right, but from my perspective, when I think about the heights of pleasure and pain that are made possible through acts of communication, drugs seem infinitely less effective, enduring, or substantive. If I put the question of effect before transmission, you are now in the position to stop fear, relieve pain, create joy in others. I know of no more powerful ability. So here's the fundamental insight behind this podcast. To get better at communication, we need to stop asking, did you get it, and start asking, what effect have I had? When we talk about, in all the other episodes, communication practices, we're going to be talking about them not as transmission of information, not as practices for the transmission of information, but as practices for producing effects. By asking the question, what effect have I had, and instead of asking, did you get it, we're also in a position to stop asking what words and symbols are in order to start asking what words and symbols do. Effective communication relies on the use of words, symbols, gestures as instruments for producing effects. From the perspective of the transmission model of communication, words are just things that represent ideas or information in order to do the work of sending and receiving. But from a rhetorical perspective, this is my shorthand for the perspective on communication that takes the what effect have I had question as a starting point. Words don't represent things, they produce effects. Just yesterday, I told my eight-year-old son that the dog hurled. He laughed at my sentence. The word hurl was funny to him. If I had said, oh no, the dog just regurgitated, I doubt very much that he would have laughed. He may have asked me what regurgitated meant, and in that case, the same sentence would have the same, two different words, but the same meaning. In other words, they carried the same information, but they produced two different effects. So the transmission model teaches us to look at what's carried by the sentence, but the rhetorical model asks us what we can, asks us that we concern ourselves with the effect on the audience. I'll say a lot at various places in this whole series about what words and language can do. All of those claims will build on the basic insight that one of the things I want to stop being concerned with is what words represent. We get better at communication when we stop worrying about how or what words represent and start worrying about what words do. So. Um, that's the main distinction upon which this series turns. I want to reiterate or just use a couple of anecdotes to explain a little bit better why this distinction might matter or what's at stake in this distinction. So the other day I was watching the final episode, the series finale of one of my favorite shows called Californication. And admittedly, I'm way behind on my television viewing. But this show, Californication, has David Duchovny playing a character named Hank Moody. And he's in love with this woman, and they have a daughter together, but they're constantly breaking up, and they're not together, and then they're together, and then they're not together. And in the, the final episode of the series, the uh, Hank gets on a plane after his beloved, and he tries to talk to her on the plane, and, and he opens up this letter, and he reads this letter to her. And the letter is a kind of declaration of his feelings about her. Now, this is a classic moment in Hollywood television and Hollywood movies where the protagonist of a story 
declares his feelings for someone else. And the declaration of feelings is supposed to solve everyone's problems. Well, this is what I take to be the first kind of real world instance of what's wrong with the transmission model of communication. And it's a real world instance of displaying the transmission model of communication for all of us to see and think about. So what Hank Moody is really doing in that scene is he's expressing or transmitting his deep feelings for his beloved to the other character. It's an act of transmission, and it's an entirely narcissistic and selfish action. He doesn't care at all about the feelings of the other person. He only cares that his feelings are expressed accurately and expressed well. And of course, on the show, Hank Moody's a character, and the letter is lovely. It's beautiful. I cried during it when I was watching the scene. It's a beautiful expression of his feelings. And then the show just sort of cuts out, and everything, all of the communicative problem, all of the burden is supposed to be handled by that letter. And we're supposed to just assume that once Hank has expressed his feelings, that all will be right with the world. This is a huge, huge problem because it takes the transmission model of communication as a starting point for understanding that human interaction. Uh, when I was a kid, I was like 16 or 17 and I was in love with this girl named Courtney. And, you know, we did, I did exactly what Hank Mooney did. You know, we drove around, I, I grew up near the beach, so we went out by the beach and I told her how I felt about her. And I expressed my feelings in what for 17 year olds was probably a relatively eloquent way. And she was like, well, uh, you know, can you take me home now? <laughs> she wasn't interested. Um, the expression of my feelings had not a positive effect. It actually made Courtney uncomfortable. And many times the expression of our feelings can make other people uncomfortable. You can tell someone you love them, but that might make them feel trapped. It might make them feel um, nervous. It might make them feel upset. It might make them feel great. We don't know. But if the assumption is my just expressing that or transmitting it, sending out this signal about this information, if the assumption is that's what really matters, then that communicative interaction will be, um, for lack of a better term, messed up and shallow, and you won't actually be terribly good at making the other person feel loved. So I also often tell my students, I'm not always interested in how you feel. I'm interested in how you make other people feel. The weird thing about love is that something happens early in dating and between Hank Moody and his beloved on that show or between any two people, something really incredible happens where this um, powerful feeling is produced. So the presence of one person produces this powerful effect on the other person. And we long for that. We want it in our lives. And so we can stay in relationships for years and years and years, long past when that feeling is still being was produced, searching or hoping for the ghost of that feeling to come back. That's how powerful it is. Um, but it doesn't come from simply the transmission or the expression of something inside of us. It comes from the way in which we make other people feel. We make the person that we're with feel a certain thing. So really, um, from my perspective, love's more a question of the effect that you have on the other person rather than the feeling that you have inside of you. And one of the great, great mistakes in nearly all kind of romantic Hollywood depictions is to reduce the human relationship to that expression of a feeling and to have it be the signature cinematic moment um, in either a television show or a movie 
is really a mistake, and it highlights the extent to which we're wedded to this idea of transmission, this belief that we can just express ourselves and everything will be right with the world. So I'm going to keep coming back to examples like the Hank Moody example um, from Hollywood, from television, from wherever. And when I do come back to those things, I'm going to be coming back to them in order to illustrate just how shallow or just how in... Um, just how incomplete or just how poor the transmission model of communication is. We don't really get any help if we think, or we don't get any help with our communication skills if we think, or if we tell someone, well, just go and tell so-and-so how you feel and everything will be all right. Um, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that for this particular podcast. That's not, in fact, what I teach my students either. Um, so don't do what Hank Moody did in that particular scene is sort of one lesson here. Um, but don't privilege the expression or transmission of your feelings over the way in which they affect upon the, the effect you have on other people or the way in which you produce effects on others. One last sort of little example, and this is a key, key insight. And if listeners can get their heads around this insight, it will radically reshape or improve their communication skills. And really, there's two takeaways from this episode of now we're talking. One is stop asking, did you get it? And start asking, what effect have I had? The second is don't worry about what you say, worry about what other people hear. And uh, so, for example, I was in a meeting recently, a series of meetings, and I kept explaining myself over and over again. I kept thinking that the position I was explaining was, was really, really clear. And I repeated myself several times. And I said, this is the reason we're doing this. I think it's a very good reason. And the thing the other people in the room were hearing was something totally different. They were hearing that I was offending their their, their right to have some uh, proprietary control over some uh, intellectual questions. And so they were hearing this really aggressive and hostile attack. And I thought I was being super kind and um, gentle and rational, and yet they heard hostility. So it's always... When we ask what effect have I had, the second question after that is what's the audience really hearing here? And when I focus on what's the, what the audience is hearing, when I privilege that over what, what am I saying or what's being said here, then I'm in an entirely different position to improve my communication skills. And I'm in a much better position to improve my communication skills. So we should ask, did you get it? Not what effect have I had? And we should also ask, what has the other person heard? Not what am I saying? And those two questions will position us, I think, differently. So our podcast, or my podcast, Now We're Talking, is devoted to privileging those two questions and figuring out what set of practices can best answer them in any given number of circumstances. Usually, we break communication problems down by context, and that context is determined by the number of people in the communication dynamic. So there are intrapersonal communication problems, and intrapersonal refers to the way I talk to myself. And those both involve the effect I produce on myself, what, my, what I hear internally when I talk to myself, etc. There are interpersonal communication problems that are problems between one person and one other person. And again, problems about effects one person has on another, problems about what one person hears from another. There are small group communication problems. Those are team settings, usually from anywhere from three to at most 30 people involved in a team or group uh, exercise. There are public speaking or public address 
communication problems where the audience is many, many people and you have to address that audience. Again, the question is what effect have I had? What are they hearing? And there are writing, there are, and writing involves an absent audience, but still the question about what effect have I had? What are the people hearing is the same. And then there are what I call questions of leadership. Those are communication practices that are, are run across settings, but still privilege these two questions about effect and what others are hearing. So we'll take a look at communication practices in all of those different settings, in intrapersonal settings, in interpersonal communication settings, in small group settings, in writing, in speaking, and in leadership issues. So now we're talking is going to be devoted to those two questions and those contexts. In the next episode, we're going to start by talking about the general practices of interpersonal communication and some general insight into interpersonal relationships. So that'll be the next episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll come back again for another episode.